right, so uh, here we are back for another amazing edition of Seat of Your Pants. My name is Jay. I'm from Why Not? And we have, as always, the lovely Mistress Kai. Hello. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we have a very special guest today. Uh, I actually met her through her writings and not through her porn. And uh, <laughs> But I'm glad I found both. She's an amazing person. She's uh, one of the people at the forefront pushing for decriminalization of sex work. And well, actually, uh, we'll get into all the different stuff that she does here in this episode. Uh, without further ado, we have Kathy Reisenwitz with us today. Did I get that right? Perfect. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. And Kai, thank you. I try so hard to pronounce your last name in my head. (laughs) I even thought about writing out all the different ways I've said it (laughs) in my head over the years. (laughs) I have long-term friends who still say it wrong and was like, I get it. I know who you're talking about. (laughs) What are they saying? Are they saying Reisenwitz or something? Reisenwitz, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, come on, it's German. It's Reisenwitz. You know, people don't know. My brain has added on like a Polish ski. So (laughs) sometimes, especially when I'm tired, I'll look at it and I'll read it like, all these crazy versions, but Kathy Rezinkowski, wow. like, which is not even close. That's still <laughs> answer to it, honestly. Yeah. That's but. not even an Ellis Island butchering there for me. It's <laughs> bad. It's like my wow. brain. And then I say to my brain, what are you doing? Let's read it again. And I look at it and I try to focus. And then it comes up with some other crazy. But you must get that all the time, right? People are mispronouncing it. I've never gotten a ski, but I, yes, people <laughs> mispronounce it all the time, for sure. Welcome to my fucked up head. Uh, <laughs> so, excited to be know, here. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you here. There's uh-huh. a lot of things I want to talk to you about. I mean, typically with this show, we just kind of like let the mic go and it's, you know, pure voyeurism on someone's phone call and it can go in all kinds of absurd directions. Uh, but in this case, while I do, of course, want to do that, I also want our audience to walk away with this going. Wow, she's pretty interesting and fascinating, and I should do something. You know what that thing is? I'm not sure, but I think we're going to figure it out over the next 45 minutes or so. Um, and plus, you know, you just well, you just got done having COVID and a cross country move over the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, tell us what that was like. Uh, zero out of ten would not recommend getting COVID the day before you're supposed to move across the country. Um, but I, I survived and thus far, knock on wood, no long-term damage. Um, I moved from San Francisco to Huntsville, Alabama, which is quite a change. Um, but it's been fun and I've enjoyed it and it's, uh, I'm closer to family. This is where I grew up and the cost of living is much lower. And, uh, you know, I spent the last nine years in liberal enclaves, DC and then San Francisco. So I'm looking forward to, um, understanding how, uh, how other people do things. Wow. I mean, um, I mean, I was, I read your, uh, your daily, uh, your daily, uh, writings and, uh, one of them, you were talking about how somebody had noticed a sticker or a patch, I guess, on, uh, your, your bag and yes. it said decrim and he wanted to know what that meant. Um, I got to imagine you're going to be around a lot of people that just, just don't get it at all. For sure. Yeah. But, you know, Huntsville is definitely more progressive than I assumed. It's more progressive than it was when I grew up here. Uh, There's a pole dancing classes. I think there's a dungeon. There's an active kink scene, which I think is probably true in every U.S. You know, every city probably has one. But uh, this one was like fairly easy to find. 
Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where my preconceived notions are correct and where they need to be corrected. Excellent. You know, I should ask Kai, Kai, Mm -hmm. do you know anybody without naming names? Do you know anybody that's a part of the kink scene in that part of the country? Uh, Um, or just a performer in general? You know, um, not specifically off the top of my head or anybody that I should name um, in a region because of things we just talked about a few days ago regarding stalking and things like that. But what I do get from some of those uh, more southern areas and regions is that they can't find a kink scene and they can't find a kink community. And it like tickles my belly to hear that – Kathy says that one exists because I would imagine it might be a little um, difficult for them. Um, It makes me think maybe they might be a little bit like the way it was when I first started out three, four decades ago when everything was sort of like packed and tucked away. So um, I'll be curious to hear what what you discover about that kink community there in the future. Me too. I'll be very curious as well. Yeah. And I hope it's not, you know, what I think it might be. I hope it's not where everybody sort of has to be rural reserved and sort of in the shadows. I hope it's not that. Yeah. We'll see. They're pretty. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah. So, yeah. You know, tell us about, um, I guess, how you got started in writing. I mean, was this something that you've had a passion uh, for since you were a kid? Uh, Because you've written for some pretty major publications. I mean, just uh, rattling off a few, you know, The Daily Beast, Vice, Newsweek, Forbes, just to mention a few, um, you know, obviously, you know, we would like to see you in even more. But uh, how did that all get started? Well, I'm in good company in that regard. I know you guys are not uh, not unpublished in major publications, but um, yeah, it. You know, my dad still has journals from when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, writing on paper. Um, I've always written. I wrote poetry in high school, um, and actually won our uh, Scholastic Press Association's I think poetry contest one year. And um, then when the internet happened, I stumbled upon LiveJournal and I think Diaryland was actually my first uh, foray into writing on the internet. And then, you know, LiveJournal and then WordPress and now Substack. So yeah, I've always written. I definitely wanted to find a job that would pay more than writing generally does. But I always came back to writing. It's just, it's what I love. It's what I'm good at. And so I, um, I write for money and then, uh, I have my Substack, which is my passion project and something that I want to work towards spending, uh, the majority of my time on eventually. That's part of the reason I moved to Alabama was to save up money and be able to do my passion writing full time. Well, yeah, that's, that's a benefit. I, I moved out of LA many years ago. And the first thing you notice is you gave yourself a big raise. Yeah, <laughs> you know, getting out of that. And I just wanted to throw the URL out to our listeners uh, this early on in the episode. If they were to go to kathyreisenwitz.substack.com, and that's C-A-T-H-Y-R-E-I-S-E-N-W-I-T-Z, W-I-T-Z.substack.com. There's a lot of no, great stuff no in ski. there. No, no ski. ski. <laughs> no ski. And I also wanted to take a quick second to uh, to thank our sponsors, uh, our loyal guys, the uh, Only Dolls guys who have recently just launched a Romy Chase one-to-one sex doll. Uh, it's available at OnlyDolls.com. 
And I also want to give a big shout out to uh, Live Unicorns and to Sugar Bounce. Thank you for your support of Seat of Your Pants. And now back. So let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, I've started writing so many different things and I just, you know, it's so hard to finish unless it's, you know, a short story or an article or PR or something like that. Um, what about script writing? What about writing movies? What about writing anything like that? I mean, in Hollywood, people who are writers tend to be, I don't know, the lowest end of the totem pole. They're treated like crap, which sucks. And it's like, well, if you don't have good writing, you don't have anything, you assholes. Um, (laughs) you know, what about something like that? Yeah, that's actually something I've been thinking a lot about recently. I love television. I watch a crap ton of TV. And I've always thought like, yeah, (laughs) like, wouldn't it be fun to write for television? I think that would be really, really fun, especially comedy. I love comedy. I like I try to write jokes into my Substack posts and my Twitter account. Um, But yeah, it's definitely a challenge for me because the you know, I don't write any fiction right now. I just write essays and um, op-eds and rants. Um, but I, I've never I, interviews, but uh, but fiction is something that's totally foreign to me. So to try to dip my toes in, I started writing sketches. I, I wrote like one sketch and then I started making TikToks that were more like me playing a character or um, or, you know, creating a scenario that wasn't just like my opinion or something that happened to me. And it's tough. It's difficult. It's not how my brain works default, but it is something that I would like to, to practice. I'm considering like taking a class or reading a book or I'm not, I don't even know how to get started, but um, in all my free time. uh, Yeah, it would be, it would be really cool to write, to write particularly for a sitcom. I'm curious about, um, most of the folks that I know that um, are writers tilt towards being more introverted. So when you said TikTok and then you said, eh, I'm sort of, are you struggling um, with the extrovertedness that needs to occur for TikTok? Or I, w- I was curious what you meant by that. Yeah, I I really don't like performing. I'm a weird Leo in that way. Like to me, I'm very comfortable writing. Like that's a performance that I am and am, am very comfortable at. I'm comfortable with Substack. I'm comfortable with Twitter. But when it comes to synchronous, like live, like my voice or my face, um, I just feel much less confident. Like I don't feel like I'm presenting myself as well as I would if I'd had the time to, to like write it and rewrite it and like think it through on a writing basis. So even like podcasts like this, like make me so nervous because I'm like, oh, I'm going to misrepresent myself or forget oh, to say no. something. No, but I mean, I'm, you know, I, I enjoy it, but, um, but it, it's definitely like a, a more challenging thing for me than to write. Um, but I've started to do it because, you know, uh, it'll shock you guys to learn that not everybody likes to read. it's like the sex worker creed (laughs) read my website (laughs) read what i wrote (laughs) you want to know that go back and read my website (laughs) nobody likes to read (laughs) how many times have you had to tell someone like you know or just give them the link and go here i've given you all the information Right? right here all you got to do is click it and read it. You know, it's like, I'm not doing this stuff for my health. Well, I kind of am doing it for my health, <laughs> but you know what? I'm doing it for your health too. Totally. Yeah. 
OnlyDolls.com is the number one sex doll marketplace. Yes, you heard that right. Sex dolls. Not just any sex dolls. These dolls are life-size, lifelike, and can penetrate all three holes and have changed the industry, making dolls that everyone can afford. OnlyDolls.com works with content creators and influencers across the adult industry. Cam girl? Cam couple? Yeah, they have a crazy affiliate program that generates thousands of dollars every month for their affiliates. Pornstar? They can make an exact replica of you to offer to your fans. Oh, did I mention the guys at OnlyDolls are awesome dudes out of Miami? We love those guys. Want to monetize your fan base with a company that is changing the sex doll game? Hit them up today at OnlyDolls.com. Well, you're very good at the writing thing because mm-hmm. there are times where I wish, you know, I had these thoughts in my head and I wish I could articulate them. And then I see your Twitter and it's so, it's with such precision. Like I sort of fangirl, like I'm not a fangirl person, but I do <laughs> fan out a little bit. I fangirl out a little bit. Oh, same here. <laughs> yeah, I am a fangirl person and I am very excited to be here and to meet you. I love your Twitter account. You do? I love oh your my goodness. Oh what? my God, I love it. Of course. What? Yeah. Kai, yeah. you're so badass. It's not even funny. I mean, come on. Fuck out of here. I am not. <laughs> There's always just like a slight undercurrent as well of a lot of your tweets, Kai, that, uh, you know, it's like if someone dares put their hand in the cage, you know, it's going to get bit off. I'm going to wait that shit off. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I'm looking at it. I'm just like, I'm just going to pay attention. I'm going to chew it up. Yeah, yeah. I'm There's go- no arousal without a sense of danger. <laughs> right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, I fang- I fangirl out on, on your writing. Um, the other day I said, I got it. No, actually, it was probably like two weeks ago. I said, I got to get over to and read your um, um I don't know. Is it called a website? Is it a blog? I'm not sure even r- the right words to call it. I'm not picky. Substack okay. newsletter, blog, Substack. website. Okay. And I was like, I want to get over and read it. But I know what's going to happen is I'm going to get so caught up. Like my <laughs> brain is going to, and I'll lose hours because for some reason, the way you write and the words you, the way you structure your sentences and the words you choose, my brain likes it. My brain loves it. Yeah. And I will lose hours. Yeah. I was, I'm really so happy that you're here today. That's a tremendous compliment. I really appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, it's funny because you uh, you don't come across as being, I guess, nervous or uh, no. feeling like you might repre- misrepresent yourself. But I get I get the, the notion. I understand how that works. Yeah. Um, I tend to actually get that way when I'm about to write something because yeah. I really kind of self-doubt myself. I'm very comfortable being in front of a group of people and being a jackass. And I mean, being able to stay on brand and (laughs) keeping people entertained or whatever. I mean, it just, it it never is a thing for me in front of anyone. The only time I ever feel uncomfortable in front of anyone is if I look like a pile of stinking garbage, like I do right now. That's really about (laughs) it. But fortunately it's an audience of two and I don't think either of you care. So that's good. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, being able to like write something, it's just, it can be very daunting. I mean, the writer's block thing is really such a thing. It can be. And I, even for me, I find if I go a week or two without writing, um, for myself, then I feel this pressure. Same for posting on OnlyFans actually, where it's like, okay, well, it's been a while. So it's gotta be good, which makes me want to delay it even more. And I find that you, I have to rip the bandaid off and just like publish a turd. And then I'm back in it and it's like, okay, the expectations have been reset. 
and now I can exceed them the next time or not. But yeah, the pressure is, is lower once I just go for it. And we're so guilty. We're all so guilty of doing that to ourselves. Totally. Putting that pressure on that unrealistic. I mean, it's completely un- unrealistic, this pressure we put on ourselves. I, 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 you know, I'm trying to get my little blog off the ground. And honest to God, my friend said to me, you know, oh, yeah, it's great that you're smart and all, but you have, um, he, he said, oh, what do you call it? Analysis paralysis. He's like, you can't get anything done because you just keep going over it and going over it and going over it again. And I do that thing where I question I'll look at a sentence and be like, I can't stand the way the syllables hit or something like so stupid. Like, why do we do that to ourselves? Like, Jay, I know you do it. Kathy, it sounds like you're doing it. Why do you think we do that to ourselves? Yeah, I think that we really, really overestimate the extent to which anyone is paying attention. That's what I've noticed about writing is that if you publish a turd, no one reads it. No Mm -hmm. one cares. Yeah. Yeah. If you publish something amazing, people still might not care. Right. But once in a while, you publish something that hits. And yeah. so if you want hits, you just have to publish more. And that's if I have a superpower as a writer, it's being unembarrassed. <laughs> it's being <laughs> willing to publish turds and to just hit publish and get it out there because it's a muscle and you just practice. But one thing that's a problem for me is that I have trouble being in between for anything like half-assing things is really difficult for me. So I'm either just publishing without proofreading or I'm, I can't publish or I can't finish it really. So a good thing that I've been doing is I've actually started my own little podcast and it's just me reading my posts um, and recording myself oh, reading my posts. I love that idea. Yeah. And it forces me to read my own writing aloud. And so I do it once through and then I edit and I'm like, Oh, that my words catch here. This is awkwardly phrased. This is not well explained. And then I do it for the podcast. And um, that's the only way I can get myself to like read my stuff aloud. But it's, I think it's improving my writing. I would think so. Hearing the words out loud, even if it's not somebody else saying it to you, but you're actually hearing it um, um, auditorily, you're hearing it, I would imagine. And the reason I wanted to ask you guys, you guys this um, is because... Um, oh, I forget who it was, but somebody was saying, um, as far as like sex workers and us making content and putting it out there, these are things that we stumble with. And it's like, just do it, just do it, put it out there. You can check it out and look at it and be like, okay, next time I'm going to do this or next time I'm going to do that. So I thought that's a good lesson for us to talk about. And it parlays us into more of, you know, your work, the, the sex work that you do. Um, have you heard that too like i hear that through a lot of the educators in our community where they're like just put it out just put it out put it out i think it's a balance i think it's i think they're what i hear a lot of is you know invest in decent a decent camera invest in in good lighting um but uh, you know find some good angles but otherwise yeah like just produce and the thing that i really noticed about only fans is that whatever you're doing there's an audience for. So I used to be like, I've got to put a full face of makeup on before I film. And it's like multiple people have said, like, I love how you look without makeup or like, I got to trim my pubes. Right. And I've had multiple people like, I love your full bush. 
So I've had a, one person was just like, oh, you haven't shaved your armpits in a while. I love that. And I'm like, great. <laughs> Did it for you, buddy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like, like people are like, why, why does anyone pay for your porn when there's, you know, oodles of free porn out there? And it's like, why does anybody subscribe to my Substack? You could get opinions and essays, personal essays from anyone. But I think people like to, to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so whatever you are, whatever's authentic to you, whatever's real for you, sharing that with people, it feels good. It feels good for you and it feels good for them. And I think that's really under, under, I underestimated it before I started making porn. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in so much all about, you know, what kind of connections that you're being able to build and maintain with people, you know, I mean, you have someone who's, uh, become your, I guess, virtual friend. And, you know, you're keeping them, I guess, satisfied in one way or another uh, for months on end. I mean, I, I know some models who've had some fans for over a decade, constantly over a decade. And I mean, when you do the, the money, I mean, yes, I mean, if you look at it financially, it is a job, obviously, you know, uh, you need to look at it that way as well. It, it totals up to you know a hundred thousand dollars more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's from one person. I mean, a large portion of my not I don't know how many, but a, a decent amount of my subscribers have been reading me for certainly uh, s- some of them a decade. Great, and I mean they found you before uh, you were doing like how long have you been? I guess producing uh, adult content. I started in May 2020. So very recent. It now feels was, like a long time. <laughs> yeah, was right. that a pandemic response? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I wow. had sugar babied before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but had never put anything online that was, uh, just too risque, but yeah, I'm, I had two writers who I followed who started their only fans and it was pandemic and I'm much more familiar with writing than I am with anything visual. So I thought this will be an interesting opportunity to learn more about aesthetics and, you know, photography and um, make some money. And so I tried it and I really, I really enjoyed it uh, much more than I expected to. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate I didn't meet you back at the beginning of the pandemic because I was working with uh, like Business Insider and other publications that were trying to find people mm. who were going online and selling porn for the first time in their life as a result mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Uh, usually out of necessity because they lost their their mainstream job doing real estate or something completely non-related. Yeah. And I try to make it very clear in my activism that I am not a survival sex worker. I do not represent uh, survival sex workers when I talk about the experience of doing sex work, um, that this is something that i very much chosen. Um, but I do try to when I advocate for uh, sex worker rights, sex work decrim, um, to center the needs of uh, the most marginalized sex workers. Speaking of decrim, did you, I'm sure you did see the John Oliver show the other night. I've had a lot of people uh, text it to me, but I actually have not sat down to watch it. I oh know. no. <laughs> I know. I'm happy. I'm super excited. Um, but no, I, but I'm, su- yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped that this topic is getting so much attention. I was surprised that he listened to so many sex workers because as you know, they never listen to us. 
you know, they like to speak over our voices or speak for us. And, um, you know, I thought there was more that that could have been, but, you know, they have their time limits. But I I thought um, what he did was pretty on point as far as from our perspective and from like logic across the board. Um, So can you talk a little bit about your advocacy for decrim and you're probably more well-versed on it than I am um, these days. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about oh. that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really deep into housing activism for about two years when I first moved to San Francisco, heart of the housing crisis. And then, um, you know, I've always been for drug, not always been, but for a long time, I've uh, been against the prohibition of, of all drugs, um, for decriminalizing all drugs. And I started my OnlyFans and I started to pay more attention to the ways that um, sex was being censored online and the ways that sex workers were being oppressed by criminalization. And I started to see that as the war on drugs was ramping down, the war on sex was ramping up. So you're seeing like 16 states, I believe, have declared porn a public health emergency uh, laws like Sesta Fosta, the Arnett Act, um, yeah, uh, the Walking Wild Trans uh, kind of prohibitions on the books. Um, and so I started to realize I like housing. I think housing is super important, but I don't bring anything unique to the table when it comes to the housing discussion. Um, and a lot of really smart people are working on that. But when it comes to regulating sex, I mean, my blog has been called Sex in the State for many, many years now. I've always had a focus on sex and gender in my activism and in my, in my writing. Um, I grew up evangelical Christian. And so um, I've had uh, a lot of changes in my ideology and perspective on sex and gender. Um, and so that's something that I, I've been focused on for a while to an extent. But I realized having done sex work and having been corrected, I actually wrote for the Daily Beast in like 2013 um, on legalizing sex work. And I had a bunch of sex workers write to me saying, no, we want decrim. And so having kind of been in that world and that conversation to some extent for a long time, having been a sex worker and um, just seeing, in my opinion, fewer, way fewer people than we need focused on this topic, um, I decided to kind of shift my focus from housing to sex work decrim and um, anti-censorship efforts. Um, The other issue that was really mobilizing for me was um, learning more about the extent of uh, financial exclusion and discrimination against sex workers, which I think is ramping up, not ramping down, unfortunately. Um, And so... Yeah, that's those are the kinds of things that I'm I'm really fascinated by the evangelical opposition to um, sex workers and the combination of the evangelicals and the radical feminists working together. It's like because when you look at the average person, um, the latest polling I saw showed a majority of voters favor decriminalizing sex work. So most people are not running to their congressperson saying, make life harder for whores, you know, like, that's not how people, there's a small minority of people who are just really, really hell bent on making life hard for whores. And unfortunately, 
I don't think that we have anywhere near enough of a counterbalancing um, movement to uh, counteract these efforts. And so that's something that I'm trying to um, help ameliorate and like, hey, listen, you know, these are the facts about porn because there's a lot of misinformation about sex work and porn. Um, and, and this is the way forward if we want good results um, legislatively and culturally. It's funny because... Um, those two groups that you're talking about, they're two sort of extreme ends of things. We're all sort of in the middle, you know, most people are middle of the road folks. And then this extreme group and this extreme group have gotten together and then created this, uh, they got a common en- enemy. Right. Right. And it's so psychologically fascinating because I know a lot of the evangelicals have been ignored um, in the political climate for a lot of years, unless, you know, it was, uh, you know, election times. And it's like they've been scooped up and they're, it's almost like they're radicalizing each other. And I don't think, I don't think they even realize the damage that they're doing to people's lives in the, in, in the name of, we, you know, we think we're doing something good. Absolutely. And how do we even get through to them? Because they're so loud. They don't, they don't listen to us. They don't listen to any of us. Or they have this sort of um, diminishing reply to anything we say. You know, they twist it up and then they dim- it's some sort of like disregarding or di- diminishing reply. Or they've got another agenda or it's oh, all well, boiling down to the Bible and you can't argue with the scripture. You know, I mean, at that point, it's just, well, then you don't have an argument. Yeah. And the problem is, and I've been learning this from my, my very good friend who is, um, he's Ivy League educated theologian. And he's, I, I, I've had so many conversations with him because I know zero about the Bible. And I'm like, I need to understand why they're using these words. Explain to me. And he'll say to me, well, this isn't, ex- this, that's not really what the Bible says. Here, and, I, and I'm like, tell me the exact words that are in the Bible and your interpretation of what those words mean. And what is the general interpretation? And then what is the sort of evangelical's interpretation of that? And sometimes I'm pretty like knocked back on my heels how... It's <laughs> it's so far off. <laughs> oh yeah. And I unless I asked, I would have believed that's what was said in the Bible. But I was like, no. So I want to know more. So I think there's a lot of people like me that don't know that some of this is being twisted with like Jay was saying with this really crazy agenda. But you <laughs> coming from that community, you know, you probably see a lot of that, right? Yeah. One book that I read recently that I found really enlightening, despite having grown up evangelical, um, is called Jesus and John Wayne. And it's um, it's a description of how the evangelical church kind of um, melded with the kind of Cold War, um, military-industrial complex, anti-communist movement. Um and, and they kind of feed off of each other. And it's it's super interesting the extent to which the evangelical church has infiltrated the military and military ideology has infiltrated the church. Um, and um, the combination of politics, culture, and religion to create this uh, stew of um, kind of a nationalistic, um, repressive, uh, kind of a reactionary um, ideology that's not at all representative of what the Bible says. See what I mean, Jay? Like, I'm using all these short, dumb words, 
<laughs> trying to express myself. <laughs> well, I associate everything with like, you know. Kathy like, has all these beautiful words and articulates it beautifully. <laughs> well, we need to have that balance. You know, she needs to clasp this place up a little bit. I mean, you already do, but Kathy adds that extra. But like when you're talking about John Wayne and, you know, I, I identify a lot of things with TV and movies as well. Um, but it's funny because it just harkens back to, I mean, obviously I'm dating myself here, but there was an episode of All in the Family from back in the 70s. Uh, and there's an episode where Archie yells at Michael, the meathead. And I mean, so many parallels from 50 years ago that still apply today from that show. And he says, you're the only person I know in the world that can sit and watch a John Wayne show uh, and root for the Indians. And <laughs> it's like, you know, and you just, and you see meathead go, whatever, you know I mean? But it's just like the, that same mentality of, you know, you, you need to be on this guy's side because this is who we are and blah, blah, blah. And that still carries over to this day. And obviously, yes, it's it's infiltrated so many different fibers of our being uh, with, with, with politics and with sexuality and just trends, you know, I mean. And it's history is so cyclical, right? Like you had a panic about sex work in the 1900s as people moved to cities and white women started to live not with their families and not with their husbands. And, you know, you had the porn wars of the eighties where the evangelicals and the radical feminists were working together to ban porn. And it's just, it's, it's so interesting the way that these things just cycle. You know, it's funny. I've been watching, I don't know if either of you have been watching. um, There's this, I, I think it's just like a short, maybe docu-series type thing called um secrets of playboy i think it's called have you either one of you been watching it so yeah they're kind of dragging hugh hefner pretty bad and (laughs) you know they're calling him out for being a pimp and I, i was watching um the episode i think it was like two weeks ago and they were talking about the radical feminist and um the whole, that whole episode wasn't centered around that, but I noticed that a lot of the language was almost identical to what we're using today. And I went, look at that cyclical shit. Look at mm-hmm. that. Like, I couldn't believe all these years later, decades later, mm-hmm. the same phrasing is being used in this war on horrors. And it's decades later. It's sort of like we, we've come so far, but yet same exact phrasing is being used and how do we combat that like how do we combat that well I think one thing that makes me really really excited about now is that we have more empirical evidence about the realities of sex work and porn than we've ever had in the past and they're all in our favor like all of the legitimate empirical evidence is in favor of less stigmatization and less criminalization of all kinds of adult consensual sex. And so if you look at decriminalization in particular, right, we've got studies showing that it reduces rates of trafficking, that it reduces violence against sex workers, that it improves public health. And so they're going to use their same talking points because that's all they have. But we can come back with evidence and say, Okay, you think that sex work causes trafficking? Well, we can show you that not only does sex work not cause trafficking, but decriminalizing sex work actually reduces it. Um, and so, most people we're never gonna we're never gonna convince the radicals, right? But we can convince the people who don't care much one way or another. We're in that big group of the middle, obviously. You know, get them to move over towards our way because I mean, 
just the thing is, is that there's just so much misinformation out there. And I mean, right. we live in a day and age where anyone can just say anything. And if they've got some sort of a internet connection and someone that's going to listen, someone's going to believe them. So, I mean, you know, back in the day, your only recourse was writing a letter to the editor and it would get thrown out if it was full of shit. Nowadays, anybody can say or do anything. And it's unfortunate because yes, there is some hard facts out there about decriminalization. There's some hard facts about how, uh, you know, FOSTA SESTA isn't a good thing. I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of information out there that shows that we can regulate ourselves as an industry and we don't need these draconian laws. But we are seeing certain people who are influential getting convinced. For example, there are certain um, district attorneys who have been convinced. For example, Chesa Budin, Budin, I don't know, I always say it wrong. Um, The DA in San Francisco, we got him to say in a public forum that he is not going to prosecute consensual sex work uh, charges. And so was he one of the first ones? Because I I know there's several now around the country. Do you know if he was the first? That's a good question. I want to say this was in 2020, but I would need to double check my facts on that. And I've not been. Yeah, there's I think there's a number a number of them now. I think there was one in. um, like Minnesota, another one in New York, possibly? Jared Trujillo. Um, he's uh, he was actually on John Oliver's show. Uh, oh, was he? Yeah, his Twitter is Jared True Square. Jared Trujillo. He's yeah, another one. Nice. Recognize it as well. I think we're going to win, and I think that we are seeing really great progress. It's just anytime there's progress, there's always a backlash. And so it's just, um, you know, I just want to get there faster. Yeah. Me too. Honestly, um, sometimes, and I was thinking about this yesterday, I cannot even believe because I've been in this so many decades in one capacity or another. And I, I remember, um, in like 1989, daydreaming, looking out the window of of one of the brothels I was running and thinking, this is like daydreaming about the day that people can even have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Because I remember women's lives being absolutely and utterly destroyed because somebody in their community found out they, oh, they were working at the strip club. I mean, destroyed where they had to leave their towns. They were in their children were taken away from just absolutely obliterated. And I specifically remember sitting there and uh, daydreaming um, about the day when the things that are happening now, I never thought I would see happening Mm -hmm. where we have, you know, elected officials saying, even people running for office, Mm -hmm. they're running for office saying, yeah, sex workers work, time for decriminalization. Um, Eliza Orleans was running for Manhattan DA. Yeah. I mean, she was she was amazing. Really? Oh, she's just oh, what a beautiful soul she is. And she was like, I am not backing down on this. This is where I stand. And um, I never thought I would see that day. You know, just to switch gears here, I wanted to talk about different yeah. TV shows because Kathy mentioned that she likes watching a lot of TV. And um, mm-hmm. I do too. I, I want to hear what she watches. I like to watch a lot of foreign stuff that needs to be subtitled. I'm more into subs than dubs. So I'm just curious, what kind of stuff do you uh, like to get into? And maybe you can make some recommendations. 
Oh man. I watch so much TV that it's hard for me to like, you know, remember and rank. But right now I'm obsessed with the Gilded Age on HBO. <gasps> it's so good. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm obsessed. I'm getting all my oh, family on it. I'm like, hey, you want to watch the Gilded Age with me? <laughs> Yeah, it's really good. You know, I didn't think I would like, um, what was the other thing you wrote that was so big? The upstairs, downstairs. Oh, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. I was, I remember Jimmy Fallon talking about it years ago and I was like, um, and I fell in love with that. And then when I saw it was the same guy doing this, I couldn't wait. And now I'm hooked. I'm so hooked. Is it kind of like Downton Abbey? I'm so hooked. The Gilded Age? But in the New quality York. of it is, yeah, and yeah, and it's in New York, and there's a lot of reference to um, somewhere that's not that far from me, Doylestown in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Oh, that's cool," you know, that hooked me. But you get to see um, these societies, like um, I don't know if the Rockefellers are in it yet, but um, the Vanderbilts the are mentioned, yeah. They talk about the asters, you know, all these, the high society folks. Another one that I absolutely adore is Succession. Succession. I'm going to have to look that up real quick, too. Succession. Oh, yeah, people are loving that. I love it. Comedy drama series. It's so well written. It's another period piece? No, it's not modern day. It's it's, it's a takeoff of the Murdoch family. Yeah. It's an interesting cast. I'm looking at people. I mean. Alan Ruck, who, There's a lot who was in Ferris Bueller's Ruff. Day Off. Karen Culkin, which is that's right. Colleague Culkin's Karen Culkin. Uh-huh. For comedies, What We Do in the Shadows, incredible. And What We Do in the Shadows is the rare show that gets better every season, which is like never happens. But I'm extremely excited about. I believe it's season four. What is the gist of that? Now I think I've seen that um, <laughs> okay. on one of the platforms, but what is the gist of it? Because if you like it, I'm probably going to like I it. I would love to know your thoughts. So the premise is not promising. I'm going to tell you that up front. So okay. don't <laughs> count it out based okay. on the premise. <laughs> the premise is there's a group of four vampires in Staten Island, and a reality, and and they're familiar. And a reality show comes to make a docu-series or a documentary. It's never explained about these four vampires and they're familiar. Well, here's the thing. Um, and Jay knows this. I have this man child that dwells deep within me <laughs> that would totally love this kind of, yeah. to the premise, like to me, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. And then one of my subs is from Staten Island. I, I, I like I'm on board already. Okay, good. So. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> yeah, I can't if, if you're over the hump of the premise, you're good to go, uh-huh. and I think you're gonna like it. Yeah, the man child in me is like, oh, wait a minute, vampires, and my brain is like, they're probably getting up to some, you know, ruckusy shit. I think I'm probably gonna like it. My humor <laughs> is like the least sophisticated in the world. Like I'm like total like 14 year old boy humor. So um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's why Jay and I were, that's why, when we first I think in our first couple of episodes we talked about that a lot that Jay brings out that person in me because Jay's got that way about him Your awesome of, of being. just went from here, <laughs> here. don't let the big words fool you I am not sophisticated at all okay. like, Great, our jokes. it's not like I censor myself but sometimes I kind of censor myself you know it's just no, like no, I usually no. need to just kind of go hey 
Uh, is it cool if I say or do this? And then once I get the go ahead, then, then it's all over. I may regret this conversation. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I say some of the most ridiculous and absurd shit around Kai. And I got to say like 99% of it hits, you know? So it's like, I mean, and I have my ass off because I got this man child in, right. <laughs> inside of me. That's like, get as basic and stupid and raunchy and yes. elementary as you can. Because yeah. I'm going to be like, woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I just posted on Twitter a little while ago about fart stuff and how much I love fart stuff. Yes. And that you can't have a license plate that's even fart adjacent <laughs> in most states in the United States. And I'm like, but farts are fucking funny. Oh, my God. Especially at inopportune times. The best time to like actually do a fart is if you're in a crowded elevator and no no. one can really tell who did it. No, you're evil. Yes, I am evil too. You you have to blame it on the person next to you, especially you know, or just try to go for volume and just see what people say. You know, that's the problem with COVID. No more crowded elevators. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's kind of a lost style. Just like the prank call that went out a long time ago with yeah. Carl ID. Now you can't do God, you know what? Now my day is ruined. God damn it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Onlydolls.com is the number one sex doll marketplace. Yes, you heard that right. Sex dolls. Not just any sex dolls. These dolls are life-size, lifelike, and can penetrate all three holes and have changed the industry, making dolls that everyone can afford. Onlydolls.com works with content creators and influencers across the adult industry. Cam girl? Cam couple? Yeah, they have a crazy affiliate program that generates thousands of dollars every month for their affiliates. Pornstar? They can make an exact replica of you to offer to your fans. Oh, did I mention the guys at Onlydolls are awesome dudes out of Miami? We love those guys. Want to monetize your fan base with a company that is changing the sex doll game? Hit them up today at Onlydolls.com. On that note, we should probably wrap this episode up. I think we kind of uh, went in different... Because we'll just keep yucking it up if we don't. (laughs) We we covered a lot of territory. We went in different ways with this episode than we have with others. So I really appreciate your time with us here, Kathy. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was so amazing to meet you. Oh my God, anytime. Literally anytime. I'll drop everything. Thank you so much. It's so thank you for having me. It's so wonderful to meet you. I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. No, I'm so glad you were here. Let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your writings, where they can find your porn, where they can be your fan. Yeah, totally. If you want to see me naked, I am onlyfans.com slash Kathy Risenwitz, C-A-T-H-Y-R-E-I-S-E-N-W-I-T-Z. If you want to read my writing, it is on Substack, kathyrisenwitz.substack.com, or you can Google Sex in the State. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Kathy Reisenwitz, uh, Instagram, Kathy Reisenwitz zero F. Uh, yeah. Reach out, DM me, uh, follow me, uh, look at me naked and um, support my writing. There you have it. And not Kathy Reisenwitzki. <laughs> that might work. You know, there are not a lot of competition for uh, Reisenwitz of any kind. So 